This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 121, James Hazelrig on Hypnotic Laughter. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the program, and that is an absolutely suiting way to jump into this presentation. Uh, as for the first time, having someone on the podcast who forgot he was previously on the podcast. Though you will hear respectfully the story of how we were still figuring out the platform, the format, and now have morphed into more of a long-form conversation, and here we are, all much better for the experience. James Hazelrig comes in from Austin, Texas, and first meeting up at the HypnoThoughts Live convention, of course, being best friends on Facebook. And you're going to hear an outstanding conversation of somebody who has really been out there working in the profession, building his business, and to hear that mindset nowadays of here's where he started and these are the projects that he's now doing. And take note of the mindset that as we grow in our businesses there does become the moment where we can't keep doing the things that got us into the business originally. So you'll hear some of my aspects of markets that I had to leave. Otherwise, I could not grow in others, where we can't keep doing the same things over and over. We can begin to leverage success, but there sometimes is that moment where you kind of have to step away from what comes easy to challenge yourself in brand new ways. I'm going to give a couple of plugs here inside of this before we actually jump into this conversation with James. Uh, first of all, James does give an outstanding uh, testimonial here for Hypnotic Business Systems, which is my all-access pass hypnosis business training library. You're able to jump in right away to videos, done-for-you marketing campaigns, step-by-step -step tutorials. It is the entire roadmap behind how I built my six-figure hypnosis business. Learn more over at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Now, I invited James back on the program because I just wanted to spend time talking to him uh, about his uh, online course that he recently launched, uh, which is called Laughnosis, which you can easily track down. This URL, I'll give it to you here, but it will be in the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis. Just simply go to gum, as in chewing gum, G-U-M dot C-O forward slash laughnosis. So like hypnosis, but take out the hip and put in laugh, L-A-U-G-H-N-O-S-I-S, gum.co forward slash laughnosis. Again, all the links over at WorkSmart Hypnosis. This is his online training course that he's put together with also previous podcast guest, Dave Berman, uh, an outstanding little video project that's available over uh, for download over at Gumroad and is actually an outstanding steal for only $47. So check that out there as well. And with that, let's jump directly into this outstanding conversation of business growth, personal success, as well as a whole bunch of laughter. This is session number 121. Hypnotic Laughter with James Hazelrig. I'll know I've made it when I'm on Jason Lynette's podcast. Which, of course, the fun part is to now tell you that you were actually on session number 15. And welcome back to the program, James. We're now recording. Wait, what? what? <laughs> Although, oh. to be fair, in, in the scope of anything... Um, uh, my wife and I have a pattern that we won't typically watch a television show unless it's now in the second or third season. 
But mm. there's still always the knowledge that they're still figuring out the characters. They're still figuring out the plot points. And um, I can honestly say I'm looking back here. What was it? Yeah. Uh, session number 15 was only 19 minutes long and we'll probably go for an hour today. But there's something to be said about uh, finding the uh, format rather than inventing the format. So you're back for the second time, but we'll officially call it the first. How's that sound? It would, you know, that, yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. And, uh, of course, I've revealed that I haven't sat there and listened to all of your greatest hits. So uh, I guess shame on me. Yeah, it's uh, all good. We'll but I, I, I will tell you, I was, I was talking with a, a uh, guy that I met here in Austin who is uh, a hypnotist. He was actually trained by Gil Boyne. And he doesn't do sessions. He supports himself by writing awesome books and traveling around the world, you know, setting up and writing wherever he wants and then selling them on Amazon. And uh, we were talking about hypnosis and he says, yeah, you know, most of the stuff out there and so many hypnotists are so full of it. And he says, except there's this one podcast. What is it? Work smart. Work smart. That guy, he's good. He, he really knows what he's talking about. I'm like, wait, I know that guy. You know, I forgot to, well, I forgot that I'd been on the podcast. <laughs> I couldn't say, wait, I was on that podcast. <laughs> you want to know how good that is? Go back to session number 15. And yeah, that was his best work. It's a though. truly memorable session, it turns out. People say that's when he found his voice, really. <laughs> well, yeah. ever since that when he went, that is not how you do it. I got to change the form. <laughs> 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 no, that one came about maybe 20 sessions later. Good luck figuring it out. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of jump in, though, which is to say, um, you know, you're someone that you've done a little bit of everything inside of hypnosis, and it's brought you to some different directions. I know when you were on the program previously, we were talking about some of the work you've done in prisons, some of the work that uh, of storytelling that, you know, the discovery of hypnosis, oh, I'm already kind of doing this. Um, if you had to We'll phrase the question in a fun way. If you had to sum up what's different uh, in terms of just your approach, of your style, of your thinking of all of the stuff in the last three years, what's uh, what's evolved for you? Right. Well, uh, they let me out of prison. That, that's one thing. Yeah, um, I actually did have to discontinue going to the prison. Um it, which was a tough decision for me, but um, wow, what's really happened is I think that the things I had started with, I have, um, wow, they've become deeper. I've really expanded and I've, I think I understand a lot more about who I am, what I'm doing, a lot more comfortable in that skin of being a storyteller and using these skills with my clients. Now, what what that has ended up meaning is that I'm not quite as willing to go into the jail week after week uh, without ever getting paid to do it. Mm -hmm. And I guess one important thing that's happened is my practice has taken off so much that I, I don't have time to go do those sort of volunteer things. I miss them to a certain degree, but you know when there are people right there ready to come to my office and listen to me tell these stories that help them change – and they're going to pay me, that's kind of where I end up being. Yeah. Well, it's that discovery that the more we do something, the stuff that got us into it is not necessarily what we can keep doing. So yeah. there has to be some bit of leap of faith sometimes that, okay, uh, I mean, in my stage hypnosis career, one of the things that put me on the map and got me the massive resume was that I was doing all these high school fundraisers 
that they were offered as this no risk offer. And, you know, you didn't have to pay me up front. We'll split the tickets. And you might imagine some schools sold a bunch of tickets and some schools sold 12. Through uh, the wonders of dollar cost averaging, it was profitable <laughs> enough, but there eventually became a point that's like, okay, I can't do these anymore because if I'm filling my schedule with these performances that might not end up paying me, I'm not opening up my schedule for the things that do pay me. Yeah, that's a reality I had to, to come to deal with. And I have to say, I'd never dealt with it before. So it was kind of surprising. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I'm a little bit too busy, you know, getting paid to do these things that I love doing to yeah. keep doing them for free. So what else has changed? So I realized, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, Hypno Thoughts Live, because I sort of realize that each time I'm there, uh, I've realized that a lot of hypnotists are kind of nervous about storytelling, and they were looking to me as someone who seemed to know what he was doing with it. And uh, so I, I realized there was a niche that I could fill and, and a way I could serve the overall hypnosis community. Mm -hmm. So I've been teaching storytelling classes. I've uh, started a storytelling podcast, although right now it, it's on hiatus and may get reinvented soon. I'm, I'm trying to decide about that exactly. Um, That's a great strategy, by the way, especially <laughs> when your guests don't remember having been on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <totally. laughs> well, I've only had one guest so far. It was Scott Sandlin, and that was the last one I did. It's like, well, it'll never get better than this. I, <laughs> I don't. No, I I just got ridiculously busy, and uh, so didn't didn't keep up with the weekly schedule. And so I'm thinking I need to reinvent it with a title that doesn't mention it being weekly. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll figure that out. A couple of other really uh, fun things have happened. Um, I've gotten really involved in laughter yoga and through a lot of conversations with my friend and colleague Dave Berman, who's a laughter ambassador as well as a, a hypnotist, I ended up writing a book called The Little Book of Laughnosis. And it really helps to uh, bridge that gap between intentional laughter and hypnotic change work and gives a lot of practical exercises on how you can use laughnosis, how you can use intentional laughter with your clients to help them make changes. And I've been just doing that more and more. I find it's almost like every situation I deal with, not everyone, but, but most of them with my clients, I'm like, you know, I think intentional laughter could be a great tool for us here. So one of the uh, things that grew out of writing that book is that I'm doing some live laughnosis trainings. In fact, I've got one coming up this Saturday at Ann King's Hypnosis Center in Bernie, Texas. And uh, Dave Berman has also been traveling around the world doing some live laughnosis trainings. And we said, well, rather than making people come to us, why don't we put this on the Internet? So just um, a few days ago, we released an online course in laughnosis. So that's one of the things that's been really, really fun and exciting recently. We're hoping that eventually dozens of people will get into it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got this other fun thing I'm doing. A few years ago, this guy whom I had, I had met had a speed trance training that uh, Richard Nongard and John Serbone did in, in San Antonio years ago. And he happens to live in Austin. He, he emailed me <laughs> out of the blue. And 
he he's not really i mean he's a little bit into hypnosis he's also an amateur magician but he he uh supports himself doing you know tech work and and software design and that kind of thing he emailed me and he said hey i just went through a training on how to build apps do you have any ideas for an app and uh, discussed a couple different ideas and then decided to build one and it's getting very, very close to done. We are hoping to release that by the end of this month. It's going to be called the Harmony Hypnosis Emergency Validation App. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's uh, it's very simple. Basically, there will be a smiling face right there on your your uh, phone screen. When you press it, it says something nice to you. I like it. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I've so I, sure. I've, I've taken some notes here because you kind of covered a whole bunch oh. of uh, stuff there that I wanted to Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. It gives me the roadmap and I get to go back in and explore it. Okay. Uh, so let's kind of rewind it back then because um, in the last couple of years, business has taken off in such a way that you had to restructure what it is that you're doing. So let's kick off with that perhaps. What would you say? have been those things that you've changed uh, in terms of your business that's allowed that growth? Wow. So I found some really great uh, strategies and I gleaned these from a couple of different excellent mentors, Richard Nongard being one of them. And then there's this guy that Richard Nongard calls sort of his go-to business (laughs) dude. Uh, Shoot, his name is Lenetsky or something, something like, like that. that yeah. yeah, no, seriously, it made a big difference to really go through and work with the hypnotic business systems. Thank you that you've you've uh, produced, and I like saying that I've I've gotten so busy in the practice that I can't even implement all of the strategies <laughs> that are introduced there. That made a big difference. It had a lot to do with building a good website and getting excellent reviews and and uh, curating them. Yeah, let's explore that for a moment. Yeah. That's something that many people, if there's one thing that I say people need to do more of, uh, it's that. And they're often hesitant to ask for them or they're cautious to seek them or they're just in the fear that what if they don't give them? What, what are some of the things that you've been doing to get those? Right. So I created a set of autoresponders mm-hmm. that I enroll my clients in really just for the, the non-smoking clients. I need to build something kind of similar for other uh, niches. But since that's the main niche I've gone after, my new ex-smokers are put on an email list and they get that's where they get the links for the mp3 downloads and they get specific support and i kind of took one of those what changes in your body over the first year timelines and spread it out but at some point in there i say hey please check in with me let me know how everything's going Mm -hmm. so when i hear from one of these clients he says hey everything's going you know really great i'm so grateful i say that's awesome and then i have already prepared where I just um, cut and paste instructions on how to give me a review on uh, Google Plus slash Google Places slash Google Business, whatever it is this month. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's a moving target, and I do have to periodically go back in and, and rewrite the directions. <laughs> so I'm I'm not bribing them or anything like that. I'm not begging them. I'm just saying, hey, you know, if you would like to let other people know about it, this could be helpful. Yeah. 
And of course, likewise, my clients, you know, anytime I get a great comment like that from a client, even the the non-smokers, I ask them to look into it. And I I did something a couple years ago. I had a friend of mine set up a little customer service uh, survey, and I wrote to all of my former clients and said, would you be willing to take this customer service survey uh, about your experience with Harmony Hypnosis so that I can improve? And I included in it a few questions about possible other things that I could work with them on. Yeah. And basically, when I got all the replies, I saw there were things. And I think one of the questions I, I even wrote was, would you be willing to write a positive review about your experiences? And so if they said they were... I immediately sent them that email and yeah. said, hey, please do this. And, you know, at, at first I thought, why would anybody trust an online review? Come on. any I mean, they could be fake, right? But I've had quite a few people who say, well, you know, I went to Google and, uh, the you know, like one other hypnotist in your town has one review and you've got a dozen. So I figure you must be good. Yeah, I love it. That That's definitely a true experience that – in sales, the the mindset of if you're always looking to solve a problem by answering the question of how do I make that easier for you, mm-hmm. you know, then each step logically leads to the next one of I want to be able to tell stories better in my hypnotic process, or I want to be able to tell stories better when speaking in public to grow my business. Uh, to take that experience of well, here's James's storytelling course that you could attend, um, but so often people overlook that little aspect of spell it out make Mm -hmm. it easier for the person and by doing it that way of um, you know even relating to the people I'd interact with who would claim that uh, they've got an issue with people not showing up to their sessions well what are those things you're doing to make it ridiculously easy for the person to first of all remember it and then Mm -hmm. to actually show up so I love that. I love that. Um, has there been, and you're saying that's something that continues to morph and continues to improve just as the technologies change? Yeah, it does. And I've, I've dealt with those questions, too, of how do I make sure that, that my clients make it to my office? When I moved into my new office, I drove to it from every direction mm-hmm. and actually filmed myself narrating the directions. Nice. And then I didn't use that film because it was, I mean, it was crappy footage. Right. <laughs> but then I was able to write out directions from every angle, directions to my door when you walk into the building because the building's a little bit of a maze. Yeah. And I just made it super easy and I've got it ready to plug into an email. I've got it in an autoresponder after they fill out my intake forms, which are online. I know you're not a fan of that, but uh, but that's okay. Yeah, we well, don't have they to do eventually, it the same. Way. Yeah, and the reasoning <laughs> is that just I and I'm sure I get just as good, mm-hmm. but I've classically found I get better content when the person has to sit there and handwrite it. Yeah, and you know everybody's got a different approach on that, but the the main thing is that. I know every one of my clients has detailed directions to my office. Yeah. Um, and likewise, I use Aptoto. I don't that, know that one. It's a scheduling. Oh, okay. It's a reminder uh, program. So it links in with my, my uh, Google Calendar. So when I schedule somebody on Google Calendar, I just type in the code REMINDER in all caps. Mm-hmm. And that tells Aptoto, hey, send them reminders. Nice. 
Yeah. So I'm no longer sitting in my office, you know, five minutes after a client's supposed to be here thinking, oh, God, did I call them yesterday? Yeah. You know, I know they've had an email, a text and a robocall. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and at first I was afraid that that would be obnoxious. Uh, one of the first clients I, I did that with, she came in and I said, so how did you feel about, you know, getting all of these reminders? And she said, you know, it made me feel like somebody really cared. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Absolutely. (laughs) No, it's that nice thing, especially we're on the other side of that conversation where we're getting that nudge, we're getting that reminder. And there's something to be said about something that I've programmed over the years is that I send a fresh reminder out the day of their appointment Uh for the reason that, uh, well, over uh, two weekends ago, I was teaching a class and the air conditioning unit suddenly started leaking, which the first thought was, I'm a renter. Hallelujah. It's someone else's problem. (laughs) (laughs) But still, I had to be the one to arrange the service and get it all coordinated and then our, our deal is that I pay for it and then just take it out of the rent. Um, and the system is having some issues again. And the task of now I got to find that email. Now I need to track down who that is. Oh, wait, this company merged with another one earlier this year. I just emailed the old email address and I got an, a response that that thing's out of service. And there's something about just having the fresh copy in the email that day. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. just these these systems that we figure out over time, but that whole systematic mindset of how do I do this once, mm-hmm. knowing that it occasionally needs to, needs to go back and be reviewed upon. What about that person who says that they're going to be willing to leave a review, but then they don't? How do you handle that? I don't worry about it. I'm not going to hound them about it. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if there were any that like... I think maybe like two weeks later, I sent out a reminder when I did that really big push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I did send a reminder. Now, if if they don't, I don't worry about it. I suppose I could set up some sort of automatic reminder thing for it. But at this point, I've, I've got enough reviews yeah. that anybody who looks at it is going to go, well, okay, well, well, this guy's got way more reviews than anybody else in the town. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess if that changes, <laughs> I'd push a little harder for him. No, I mean, it's definitely a valid statement that, and you don't want to minimize any individual, but you get to a place where, okay, I have a good amount. And if mm-hmm. I don't get this other one, and that's a that's an aspect, perhaps, I'm sure that's maybe peaked its way into your business, too, that here's a person that just isn't ready to book, and it's no longer the game of, I absolutely need this one. Yes, we want to get that person in the office because we can help them with that issue, but there's mm-hmm. something about just the, the fact that you don't need every single conversion to come through. Yeah, and, you know, that's a really powerful place to get to. I found that I had to kind of fake it until I made it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to set certain standards. And when it really hurt <laughs> to turn down a client because I didn't feel like they were ready. And, you know, now I'm like, okay, that's taken care of. This morning I turned down somebody who wanted to quit smoking because she didn't fit my criteria. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't feel like it would be ethical for me to take your money. Yeah. Yeah. So then what else in terms of the business has really helped things take off? So I'm almost embarrassed to talk about this, but I'm going to, it's, you know, I, I like to have one foot in hard science and another foot in woo woo. And I don't talk about the woo woo a lot. And I was almost embarrassed to do this from the beginning, but, uh, I had a feng shui consultant come to my office 
and she suggested a couple little changes. And I'll tell you that maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's synchronicity, I don't know. But things started taking off from there. So I have continued to, to wear the lucky underwear and make those, those feng shui changes. I'm sure plenty of people listening to this will totally believe in, in the energy and all the woo-woo stuff. And others are going to go, oh, God, I can't believe Hazel Ray just said that. There's different sides of that, that one side of things, I'm, I'm always one to come back to an evolutionary mindset that these things are around because we figured out over time they work. Yeah. So if it's still around after all these years, there's got to be something to it, um, even to look at it from a completely outside perspective. The other aspect of it is kind of the same mindset that I'd often bring to as much validity, as much proof, and as much anecdotal experience I've had with specific uh, NLP strategies. There's something to be said about when we're working with intention rather than by accident. Yeah, my feng shui consultant will say flat out that uh, it is far more effective if you do it with intention. Yes. And so I, I think that setting you know these intentions and I feel better about the fact that I got rid of that really crappy old chair that I got for 40 bucks on Craigslist when I started <laughs> and got a much, much nicer chair in its place that also no longer leans against the wall and blocks the flow of chi or whatever. There's things that have made me feel much better about my office. And I think that that translates um, maybe even in a subconscious way as I'm talking to people on the phone, as I am promoting my business. Is there a specific change that kind of uh, overrides uh, that, that shift in your office? If you had to sum it up, is it a matter of flow? Is it a matter of the materials there? I'm not even sure if I could if I could sum it up. Yeah. She did tell me to get something green on that particular wall and I got a a giant green picture from IKEA that it turns <laughs> out every other great hypnotist has on their wall. So I don't know. Yeah, just creating that environment where things just feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's the picture, isn't it? That's it really the secret is. to our success. Yeah. And the specific one, I'm going to have to put an image of this that we snapped before we jumped in that uh, I flash back to Big Lebowski of just, no, that rug just brought the whole room together. <laughs> and it, for it me, really it was, does. I looked at this wall in my office and just realized, okay, I, I tried originally hanging two things on the wall and it just looked awkward. So it then became, I just need something big. Mm. Okay, I guess I have to go to Ikea. And by getting something there, it's this image that surprisingly, I've had so many people actually look at that image. And again, we'll put the image up on the on the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis. The line was, uh, yeah, you know, what's amazing about that image. I would probably not feel that at peace and comfortable in that environment because I'm out in the woods. And now I'm thinking bears, wolves, foxes, snakes. Yet that image is so calming. It's funny, there have been studies that found that people supposedly feel most calm when looking out at a big open plain. Mm -hmm. And they, they theorize, well, our ancestors you know, would have felt more comfortable there because you can see for a long way and there's nothing for predators to hide behind and all that. But I, I live in a forest. Yes. <laughs> and I love living in a forest. For me, I, th that image is exactly what I want. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then jumping around a bit, anything else though, in terms of the business growth? So specifically building a better environment that people felt more comfortable with, I'm sure that also led to some referral changes as well. I believe so. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, of course, from very early in the business have been working on local networking and uh, when I moved the business into Austin, I immediately sought out some local network groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a long game. You you have to invest and take the time. But I've done that. So now there's a lot of people who are very comfortable with me and they're okay with telling their friends, oh, yeah, hey, I know a hypnotist who helps out with that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, that's led to some excellent referrals. Outstanding. And then just the getting the feedback as well, other than the investment of time and definitely the aspect of some of these networking events, you do have to either at least pay for breakfast or lunch to go or some sort of, uh, admission fee. Has there been any advertising spend? I spend about a hundred bucks a month Mm -hmm. on, you're going to freak here, on a print ad. Yeah. And I would not recommend print ads except <laughs> in this situation. And that's that, that Austin has a free weekly paper. Everybody reads it. It's what all of the events are listed in, all of the stuff, uh, all the music events, because it's the live music capital of the world, are in there. Some really hard-hitting local journalism yeah. is there. And so it's really a viable newspaper still. And I have to say, it was Richard Nongard told me when I when I moved my business into Austin. He And he had actually started out in Austin many years ago. He said, take out an ad on the back page of the Austin Chronicle. Make it as short and simple as you can. Sell one thing and one thing alone. And make sure it's there every single issue. Yeah. And that's what I've done. It's worked out great. It has had uh, excellent ROI. Yeah, I'd say that it's not that print advertising has gone away entirely because there's some regions. uh, I'd imagine it might have a similar feel. We don't really have this in Alexandria, uh, Mm -hmm. though when I was living in downtown Baltimore and mostly a stage hypnotist, if your event was not in city paper, it didn't exist. Yeah. And to pay for whatever they could possibly do to increase your visibility on the website, to get a little bit more bold of a listing in uh, in the calendars, that there's some areas that that paper is still widely being read and you got to be there to exist. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, I'll leave the name out of it because I'm about to talk smack about it, uh, but there's a local uh, sort of more, I'd say, um, spiritually based, more uh, metaphysical uh, magazine that comes out about maybe I think four to six times a year in this area. And maybe about eight or nine years ago, when I was first jumping in, it was one that if you were doing anything hypnosis-related classes or services, you needed to be in there. And Mm -hmm. then nowadays, it seems the quality has declined a bit, and just I've stopped renewing it. But you find these regional things that, you know, it's the listening to the people in your environment. We had a paper like that briefly here in Alexandria that actually I had a column inside of, and then it went out of business. Um, Probably because yeah. their health and wellness column was a little shifty. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we have the some of those kind of spiritually based um, magazines and newsletters around here. And, and 
I can't remember. I may have paid for an ad in one of those once, but but I haven't found them to be really that impressive. Yeah. And we've we also have um, some kind of holistic healers networking groups around here. And for a while, I was I was very active in one of them, and uh, I, there were a lot of wonderful people. But what I noticed was that no one was really interested in referring to someone else. There was a lot more of the let's trade services mindset. There, there was some of that. Yeah. yeah, there was there was a fair amount of that, and but also an awful lot of. Um, well, why should I refer someone to you? I've got all the answers. Right. Yeah. I've kind of surprised some of the people by actually sending clients to them. They're like, <laughs> wait, what? I'm like, yeah, I can't solve everything. I I think this person really needs what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the best ways to get referrals is to start sending them out. So then jumping around a bit, you mentioned that there's been an evolution in terms of the storytelling aspect of really sharing that better with hypnotists. What is it you think that hypnotists need to understand differently as in terms of their storytelling skills and approach? I think one of the biggest things is they need to recognize that they are already storytellers that they often don't think of themselves as storytellers, but we all tell stories. You know, you get home from work and your spouse says, how was your day? And you tell a story. Yes. You know, they've never thought about it. They've never analyzed it. And so when the idea of doing this as a hypnotic intervention comes up, they're like, oh, gosh, I have no idea how to do that. Before I became a hypnotist, I got a master's degree in English. I spent a lot of time analyzing stories and figuring out how all that works. And likewise, I spent a lot of time considering myself a storyteller. And so what I've done is take, you know, way too many years of college and boil it down into some simple structures that people can use to understand stories and to start thinking about them just enough to where we can structure them, we can use them as vehicles for hypnotic change work. So I, th I think that's really the thing, is that hypnotists need to let themselves step into it and realize that it's not this terrifying thing, and they don't have to be Milton Erickson, although they could channel him if they want, in order to tell stories that are going to help people. So kind of back to the same point around growing the business, getting referrals, that we have this tendency of building something up to be bigger and more challenging than it turns out to actually be. Yeah, it's kind of funny. For a while, I think that's what made me reluctant about trying to step out and teach it because I thought, well, what's the big deal? You just do it. And then I realized, well, no, I'm not just doing it. I spent a lot of time figuring out how to do it. So now I've had to figure out how to convey that to mm -hmm. other people, but I've come up with some ways to do it and I think some fun ways to approach it. And I'm still working on other ways to teach it. Um, there will be more stuff down the line, but right now I'm pretty excited about what I'm able to do to help people out. Outstanding. So let's let's bring it into the scope of where things are now with the, the Laughnosis course. Mm. So we, uh, uh, Dave Berman and I both told some stories. Which, by Just, the way, Dave Berman, session number 52 of this program. Excellent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, I always loved to laugh. In fact, when other kids wanted to be firemen, I wanted to be a comedic actor. I, I wanted to be a stand-up comic. 
And I uh, remember that when I was little, I was I was the youngest in my family, and someone would tell a joke, and everyone would laugh, and I would just laugh and laugh, and then they would ask me to explain what was funny, and I had to make up some sort of story because I had no idea what the heck was funny about it. And, of course, then all of them would laugh at my ridiculous story about what was funny <laughs> about the joke I didn't understand. And I, I was convinced at an early age I was hilarious. So I had this this love of laughter from a very early age. And, of course, then I, you know, I went on and I did other things. And, and uh, when I was at HypnoThoughts Live, I guess it was the second one, Dave Berman was actually one of my roommates and he had gotten in at like three o'clock in the morning and I wanted to wake up around I don't know, six in the morning. My alarm went off and my alarm is a 20 minute MP3 that I created that starts off with some very soothing uh, kind of meditative sounds. It has some binaural beats in there, not that it matters when it plays on my phone, but I, actually they might not be binaural. I think they're isochronic. But anyway, that go from you know a very low frequency to ramping up to, to sort of a higher thing. And it's 20 minutes of suggestions. It's basically the end of a hypnosis session with no induction. And I use this because I do not wake up happy normally. <laughs> I am not a positive person, believe it or not. So anyway, six o'clock in the morning or whatever, when Dave's had like three hours of sleep, this alarm goes off and I'm just barely coming out of the fog, hearing you know my own voice telling me that today is going to be an excellent day. And then I start hearing this laughter and it, it gets louder and louder. I'm like, what the, what is this laughter sound? I mean, I, I'm, I'm foggy in the mornings. And then I realize it's Dave over there in the other bed laughing. And I'm used to people that I have to share hotel rooms with, which I have to do sometimes. I'm a musician. <laughs> really hating that recording because they're like, oh, I don't want all this positive crap in the morning, right? And Dave was just laughing. And I thought, is there something funny about what I'm saying in this? What, what is it? And I was trying to find the humor in the situation. So I, I asked him, and he said, it's just so absurd. I don't know. It's, it's just I like to laugh. And so when I get awakened like that, I laugh. You know, I'm thinking I would have been a bear, right? <laughs> Three hours of <laughs> sleep. Arr, I want to growl at people. And I realized that he had rewired his brain so that his reaction to things that would have annoyed the heck out of me was instead to laugh. And so I got really intrigued by that. It happened that he was teaching a laughter yoga class there at HypnoThoughts Live. And I immediately went home and started digging into it and found laughter yoga classes. And at that point, I was, I was teaching um, an anger management class at a recovery center. And I started incorporating some laughter yoga techniques into the anger management class. I wanted a full-on laughter yoga class for them, and I asked the person who uh, leads it in Austin if she would come out there. But it was quite a ways from Austin, and she's a little bit older, didn't want to drive at night. And I said, fine, I'm going to have to get trained as a laughter yoga leader. <laughs> so I went and did my one weekend certification course to become a laughter yoga leader and, and taught laughter yoga classes out there for the uh, uh, the folks in the recovery center. And 
Um, I never got to implement it full on at the jail. I think it would have been amazing uh, to do, but that was about the time when I would have been able to do that was when I was kind of stepping away from uh, doing so much volunteer work at the jail. Being really into this, I started incorporating laughter techniques in my office and using them more and more. And, of course, there were hypnotists who had suggested things along those lines. Melissa Tears, I remember, said, now put some laughter in when she was doing a spin technique. And Dave teamed up with Kelly Woods to write a book called Laughter for the Health of It. And while he was writing his portions of that, he kept bouncing ideas off me, which kept sparking my ideas. And I said, hey, I've got all these ideas. Do you want to put them in your book? And I don't know why he said no. Personally, I would have just stolen them all from me, but he didn't. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, dang it. I'm going to use all these ideas. So I said, I've wanted to write a book anyway. So I wrote the book and realized how short it was. So I titled it The Little Book of Laughnosis. And from there, it's just taken off and grown. And even though my goal is to kind of be known as the storytelling guy, I've ended up also being known as the laughnosis guy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So then is there a story that comes to mind of how using these strategies in your sessions has really benefited? Yeah. When I went through laughter yoga training, there was a really interesting exercise we did where the teacher asked us to think about a task that we needed to do but maybe weren't that crazy about, like a chore. And she had us visualize and pantomime doing it while laughing uproariously and to cycle through it again and again. Now, I had already recognized that there's a lot of anchor collapse going on in uh, laughter yoga. So I applied that technique and found that next time I had to do that task, I started laughing. And eventually I got to where I just get a little smile and chuckle, but that task no longer annoys the heck out of me like it used to. So I started using that with my clients, you know, who were procrastinating or doing this or that. And then one evening I was working with a client who was there to get over her fear of spiders. And, you know, I know at least a half dozen phobia release techniques. And so, you know, we calibrate, we do the first technique. I calibrate, well, she's still got some issues. And I ran through everything I knew. (laughs) And I'm like going, oh, 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 uh, uh. So I knew that she was pretty good at laughing unconditionally. So I said, all right, that you want instead of running in terror from your apartment if you see a spider. And I mean, that was literally what she would do. She had to call someone else to deal with the spider before she'd go back in. Um, It was like hazmat or something. I said, you know, the reaction you told me that you want is that you just see it, take your shoe off and smash it. So stand up. Visualize the spider right there, take off your shoe, pantomime smashing it, and laugh like crazy while you're doing it. And so we spent a good half hour of her pantomiming, visualizing, and laughing. (laughs) And that evening, before, well, when I got home, I got an email from her that says, you're not going to believe what was on the wall of my apartment right after I opened up my door tonight. (laughs) But I have to tell you that I laughed while I took off my shoe and smashed that spider. Nice. Just this week, I used the same approach to help a veteran be all right with hearing fireworks. Hmm. And we did it more, you know, visualizing since there's not much way to pantomime watching fireworks. But we did it much like a conventional swish 
each time, you know, him laughing and smiling. And while he was busy doing that, I pulled up a YouTube video of fireworks and had him put on the headphones and watch it and laugh. And he was able to laugh through several minutes of fireworks. What I love about that is that so often we get caught up in the pattern of, I need to remove the problem, I need to remove the problem, and it can be just as effective, if not more, to instead install another choice. That, you know, in a similar style, though I'm going to definitely look into what you've got there, you know, it's a place that a client with any bit of anger issue for little everyday things my own little personal mindset has always been choose amusement Mm -hmm. that you know the one who cuts me off on the road the person Mm -hmm. who is just rude for the sake of being rude this place of just amusement of i wonder what it is that's causing that i wonder where that's coming from exactly and and the nice thing is that with uproarious laughter and a big smile as they visualize going through that situation Again and again, they build that reaction and they might not burst out laughing Mm -hmm. on the road, but they're more likely to just get a little smile and be amused. Yeah, I love it. So where can people learn about this course online? The easiest way to learn about it is to go to uh, gum.co slash laughnosis. So L-A-U-G-H-N-O-S-I-S. And we'll put links to that over in the show notes yeah. at WorkSmart Hypnosis, but it's gum.co forward slash laughnosis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That takes you right to the course. And the first module is up there to watch for free so you can get an idea of what it's about. We also have a, a video where we're talking about what's in the course and that's that's there available for free. I am going to get organized enough that laughnosis.com will have a link over that way, but I'm not there yet. (laughs) Right now, laughnosis.com just deals with the book. Hey, it's Jason Lynette once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it in your social media streams, for leaving your feedback over on iTunes, and uh, hiring airplanes to skywrite work smart hypnosis up in the sky in the clouds. Okay, that hasn't happened yet, but I'll take it when we get it. In the meantime as well, I tell you to head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Again, it's the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training. Video training, done-for-you campaigns, step-by-step tutorials, plus an outstanding community to get your questions answered and get the support you need to grow an outstanding hypnosis business. Head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. See you on the inside. Make it rain. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.